Greetings and welcome to The People Factor. I'm your host, Jane Turville. Boy, do I have a treat for you this week. Do you remember my friend Bill Ryerson from the very first People Factor episode? Bill is the president and founder of Population Media Center, and he shared in that first episode that PMC would be hosting an online panel discussion inspired by Dr. Sofia Pinata Ochoa's dynamic film, Endgame 2050. Sophia was our guest for episode 11, and now I'm pleased to air the panel discussion that Bill spoke of all those months ago. Before launching into the rebroadcast of this discussion, I just want to say a few words about Population Media Center, particularly for those who may not be familiar with PMC and what they do. Population Media Center is a powerful nonprofit that has a creative solution for a sustainable planet. They create entertainment. Their hit shows on radio, TV, and streaming platforms change lives by impacting public perception of critical issues like reproductive health, girls' education, and gender equality. These shifts across societies work to slow population growth and build a healthier, more sustainable planet. PMC has impacted more than 500 million people in more than 50 countries around the world. They host events like this panel discussion in order to raise awareness of population and sustainability challenges, and importantly, how we can solve them. You can learn more about PMC at populationmedia.org. And I'll talk a little bit more about PMC later on, but now let's dive into this great event. On September 17, 2020, PMC President and Founder Bill Ryerson led an online event titled Confronting Crisis 2050. The event was a panel discussion of experts inspired by the recent film Endgame 2050, which addresses the dire state of the planet, including six key areas, the sixth mass distinction, ocean acidification, fishless plastic-filled oceans, human population growth, climate crisis, and actions the public can take. Panelists for this discussion included the creator of the film, Dr. Sofia Pinada Ochoa, Paul Ehrlich, author of The Population Bomb, Reverend Etang Young, faith-based environmental activist, and Professor Yale Walensky Namias of Environmental Studies and Political Science at USC. Their discussion centers on the challenges Endgame 2050 exposed, including the current ecological and existential crisis facing the planet, predictions of what the world will be like by 2050, and the roles humans can play in slowing down the environmental breakdown. And now, part one of Confronting Crisis 2050. Again, welcome to our inaugural No Footprint event, Confronting Crisis 2050, a panel discussion inspired by the recent film, Endgame 2050, about the current ecological and existential crises facing the planet, predictions of what the world will be like by 2050, and the role humans can play in slowing the environmental breakdown. To lead us through today's panel, please welcome PMC President and Founder, Bill Ryerson. Take it away, Bill. Thank you, everyone, and thank you for joining us, and welcome to PMC's first No Footprint event. 
We're holding this online seminar to focus on environmental sustainability issues, including the rights of women and girls, the rights of other species, and population dynamics, all without contributing to the human footprint. With what's going on on the planet, it's very exciting to have the broader PMC community come together for this seminar, and we have about 300 people participating. We thank you for being here. We encourage you to interact with us and with each other uh, through the chat box. And if you have questions either about the film or about any of the issues we are discussing, put them in the Q&A box on your Zoom screen and we'll try to answer as many of them as we can during the time we're together. For those who haven't had a chance to view the film Endgame 2050, here's a short trailer that will bring us all up to speed as to what the issues are that are being addressed. five episodes of mass extinctions in which the majority of the plants and animals of the planet were wiped out. Right now we're undergoing what's called a mass extinction and that means that the rates of extinction are much higher. I'm sure many people think what has biodiversity ever done for me and why should I worry about it? If you don't have a functioning ecological system, people will not survive. Fishless oceans were actually predicted at least 40 years ago. Rationing food and water doesn't get you down too. And I can't remember the last time we could eat three meals just like normal. And what's this I hear about fish? The staff say you're asking for fish at every meal. You know we don't have any. You don't have any at home either. <laughs> I want us to stop treating this planet like a garbage dump. And I want us to stop pretending that there is some like plan B. We are destroying the only home that we know of in the universe that will support life. We're the only species we know of that is determinedly set out to destroy itself. very happy to introduce our panel. They include Dr. Sofia Pineda Ochoa, who has many uh, areas of expertise, including being a physician, environmentalist, and maker of the film uh, Endgame 2050. Dr. Paul Ehrlich is a professor of biology at Stanford University and author of The Population Bomb and many other books on population issues. Etong Young, is a member of the PMC board and is a faith-based environmental activist and assistant minister at the Abyssinian Baptist Church in New York City. And Yale Walensky Namias is a professor of environmental and political science at the University of Southern California. I thank all of the panelists for joining us today. Today's panel is powered by Population Media Center and made possible because of the support of donors, some of whom I see here on today's webinar. 
Thank you, donors, and thank you to our production team at PMC. Okay, let's get into the discussion. The topic of this panel, as you realize, was inspired by Sophia's film, Endgame 2050, which depicted the environmental and existential crises we're facing on the planet today. Sophia, when I watched the film, it seemed to me as if it was a guide on how to live a green and healthy life. Was there a defining moment that made you turn from physician to environmental filmmaker? Um, I think it was more of a progressive situation rather than one simple event that transformed my mindset. Um, and for full disclosure, I still work part-time as a physician, but you're right, my focus has shifted, <clears throat> excuse me, has shifted towards the environment. Uh, I think it was progressively learning more and more about the terrible situation that we find the severity of it. And just understanding that, I mean, that's objectively very, very important. Like, I can't think of anything more important than that. So it was an accumulation <laughs> of evidence of the crisis that we're facing. Yes, I think so. And also a realization that really there's no, there's no human health without planetary health. So no matter what your medical specialty is, you know, there's no planetary health, you know, it's... Uh, I often say that sustainability is the most important public health issue. What do you think sets your film apart from other environmental films? Well, in, in making the film, and the reason why I, uh, why I made it is because sometimes I feel like some of the, some of the, um, some of the environmental documentaries, like they sugarcoat the message. I tried to make it a film, that's what I tried, I don't know if I accomplished that or not, but I tried to clearly lay out the severity of the situation in which we find ourselves in and to not sugarcoat it. Like sometimes I'll see a film about water depletion and at the end they'll say something like, well, we need to respect water. And I'm like, well, you know, we find ourselves in a really difficult situation we need to be clear and it doesn't serve the environment or anyone to sugarcoat and, and to um, and to kind of like tone down the situation just to to try to not make people uncomfortable and so that's what I was trying to do and um, yeah that's that's what was my intent we hear in the news this week that one of the biggest glaciers in Antarctica is facing possible collapse and it could raise sea level by 10 feet. Of the issues you addressed in the film, you discussed climate change near the end of the film. Why didn't you address it sooner? Uh, well, the, I think that it was just uh, simple. Um, strategically, I, my, my goal was also to get people to watch the film, you know, from start to the end of it. And as such an important issue that climate change is, unfortunately, I think that, and this, this is very unfortunate, but it's kind of polarizing, like there's so much misinformation about that and so much denialism about the science and that, which is pretty clear, there shouldn't be, but unfortunately there is. So that's why I made it kind of like a strategy 
in my mind the strategic decision to not start with it. But I did start with another topic that I, I think is also very, very important, which is uh, uh, the extinction of species, the sixth mass extinction. And, you know, we see reports today, you know, in the film I mentioned that the la in the last, that in the, in 40 years, 50% of wildlife had um, disappeared. And actually since the film was released, I wish I could update it because the WWF released a more recent report. I'm sure you're very familiar with it. They said that in the last 50 years, 68% of wildlife has um, been decimated. And so, I mean, I think this is a crime like no other. And, and that's why I put it in the beginning. And also, like I said, because I want people to watch the film, I feel like extinction is a, is a subject that kind of causes some kind of like morbid curiosity, which is, yes. so that's why I put it in the beginning. But nothing against climate change. <laughs> Well, clearly biodiversity is what makes the planet habitable, so it's a very important topic, but many people don't realize this. In the film, you also talk extensively about the rights of women and girls. Could you comment on how the rights of women and girls is an environmental issue? Absolutely. Yes, I commented on, on the human rights, on the rights of women and girls uh, in the section of population growth. Because, well, the simple answer to your question is because right now we're growing our population by 80 million people per year, and that's net growth. And that's something that's grossly unsustainable by any measure and on any front. And so if you look at anything from our plastic waste to the deforestation caused by palm oil to the everything, we're kind of losing every single war right now it's very unfortunate but and part of the reason for that is because we're growing our footprint we're growing our population in this way that's simply unsustainable and the rights of girls the rights of girls to be unmarried um the rights of girls to not have to go on um, child marriages the rights of women to stay in school to have an education to have health care is one very important crucial thing that we can do to help stabilize our population growth, so that's why I um, that's why I mentioned it in that in that section. That's terrific. Thank you very much, Sophia. Uh, my next question is for Paul Ehrlich. Paul, starting at least in 1968 and maybe earlier, you were writing about the possibility of ecological collapse, uh, and you've written a lot about it over the decades since then. This probably makes you less surprised by what we're witnessing today in the way of a pandemic, wildfires, and hurricanes than the average member of the public. Uh, why do you think so many people have ignored your warnings over so many years? I think, well, there's there's a couple of reasons. One is basically evolutionarily. Uh, we've been on the planet as upright hominids for Eh, maybe a million years, depending on how you count it. But for almost all that time, the critical thing was for us to be able to dodge sudden things like a leopard leaping at us. If somebody throws a rock at your head, you don't have to think about what to do. Uh, you can do a set of differential equations in your brain very rapidly and duck. 
And to make the leopard or the rock stand out, we have also learned to keep the background quiet still. Uh, you can try this anytime with your cell phone. Try moving your head and watching a scene, and you'll see the scene stand still. If you take the cell phone and do the video that way, and then look at the video, you'll throw up. Because when you do that with the video, you don't have the receptors that tell you it's moving, and that makes a big difference. What's the big reason now that we haven't done better? Because what we need to now learn to pay attention to is the changes in the background, the background that we psychologically tend to hold still. That's one reason. Another reason is for the last hmm, a few hundred years at least, we have made finance the center of our culture. And there isn't any way uh, for most people to see how the changes in the background are hitting them financially or to see how they're going to be able to get financially better off with the changes in the background. So we're fighting. We need a gigantic cultural change. And at the moment, the culture is changing in exactly the wrong direction. As I told my group at the National Academy of Sciences, there's nothing that any scholar should be doing today that isn't dealing with an immediate problem except trying to get a regime change in the United States. Because if we don't get that in November, I hate to say what's going to happen. Speaking of that, at least some of the presidential debates have included the issue of climate change. And many people... Uh, see that as the only environmental issue. For those who are new to the topic, why does population growth uh, uh, impact the environment and how is it an environmental issue? Well, I can give you just one easy example. Uh, there was a study done recently that shows that um, having one less child in your family is the equivalent in terms of climate disruption of stopping driving 23 times. In other words, if you have one child more than you want than you did before, you are the equivalent of turning 23 new drivers loose. Uh, huge impact from uh, from population growth, but of course. Uh, it's only one of the relatively uh, serious problems. If you look at what's happening to sperm counts and reproduction, you may find that actually we have a solution in hand which isn't the solution we want. The most recent data, which are not yet published, suggests that we may have a sperm count globally of zero around 2050. Uh, we'll go back to the days when women used to say, you know, a woman without a man is like a fish without a bicycle. Uh, we first met right after you published The Population Bomb, and you came to speak at Yale University, where, where I was doing my graduate work. And I'm one of many people who was inspired by your work to dedicate my career, or at least some of my time, to population issues. But there was also a whole group of people who reacted in the opposite way and were really afraid to touch the sensitive issues related to population. In the film, you use the term homo moronicus. Could you elaborate on that term? Well, uh, 
After all, Linnaeus named us Homo sapiens, the wise man. Uh, but all you have to do is turn on a TV today, particularly if you go to Fox News, and you'll see that we're not wise men. We are not paying attention to the critical issues that are at, which are covered in the film, uh, which are actually going to make the lives of our children, grandchildren, I have great-grandchildren now, uh, that are going to be lucky to be able to live any kind of life at all. We are, as has already been pointed out, wrecking our life support systems. We are part of biodiversity. The discussion of biodiversity is still, uh, I wouldn't say it, moronic would be good. Uh, <laughs> at, but I mean, at Stanford University, maybe the best university in the world, they're arguing now about having a new school of uh, sustainability and climate, as if climate were the only problem. Yeah. They, better, they might do better to have one on sustainability and nuclear weapons, because if people don't realize it, but the danger of human extinction or ex so extinction of our civilization is just as big from the nuclear weapons, maybe bigger than from climate change or the toxification, the spreading of the chemicals that are making us uh, unable to reproduce as much as we'd like to. Now, I know you've written a lot about toxification of the environment. Just thinking about students who might be going through a school focused on sustainability issues, are the actions that are needed by the public and by activists different now than they were 40 years ago? They're a lot more desperate now because, the, as you can see from what's happening, most of my colleagues uh, now feel that we are in the beginning of the collapse of civilization. Uh, so we don't have, when after all, when the population bomb was written, that was more than half a century ago. You must be now 52 years old at least. At least. Uh, yeah, right. And uh, we don't have the time anymore. That's one of the reasons that I, I love the way the young people – are coming out. Uh, I love the way people are talking about equity. Uh, I, I should say the young people talking about equity in our racist society where we waste the talents of huge numbers of people because in our society they're not considered to be uh, useful citizens when they actually are often brilliant. So we have huge things to do and we have very little time to do it uh, and we really need essentially a revolution. Well, Paul, thank you very much for your participation tonight and for the inspiration you've given me and many other people. And I'm hoping some of our viewers will be inspired by you to take up the cause. I'd like to switch gears now and turn to Etong to gain a faith-based perspective on sustainability. That's all we have time for today. Please join me on Friday for the conclusion of Confronting Crisis 2050. Until then, remember, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Bye.